0: Hey, Kensington friends, Jill Cascone here from our Clarkson campus. I want to be the first person to welcome you to service today. We're so happy that you're here joining us. If you're new and you're just checking us out, you've got some questions for us, you wanna learn more about who we are as a church, we absolutely would love to connect with you. There's two ways you can do that. You can head to the website, kensingtonchurch.org slash hello, or actually text the word hello to 248 248- please we reach out because we really would love to connect with you okay so this is an exciting exciting week for Kensington Church because our Traverse City campus is once again hosting in-person live services in their building yay TC honestly we are so excited for you guys and we are praying for you and your community we're praying for the services. right so for us downstate here in lower michigan let's not be too jealous okay so we are currently in a plan to get us back to our buildings we do have a phase plan happening right now so while we don't have an exact date we promise to communicate that to you as soon as we know so this time of year A lot of us would really be going to commencement ceremonies. We would be celebrating our recent graduates. We'd be heading to graduation parties. Um, But unfortunately, because of COVID-19, that didn't happen and it's not happening. And our poor seniors that just dreamed of what their year would look like ended abruptly and was nothing like they thought it would be. Our very own Hannah Cheshire, who is a recent high school graduate, she wrote a song expressing exactly how she was feeling. So I wanna share that video with you. Without further ado, please sit back and listen to this gorgeous song called Trust You.
1: This is a song that I started writing this past fall when I was going into my senior year of high school. This was a very stressful time for me because I didn't know what the future held and what my next steps looked like. However, as the year progressed, God completely showed me how faithful he is, and he taught me that I can truly trust him with my future. As Jeremiah 29:11 says, "For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a future." In that truth, is something that God has been using to remind me that I don't have to be fearful of the unknown and I don't have to be afraid of the future because my amazing God has my future in the palm of his hand. So this is called Trust You.
2: Can't fall asleep again tonight all the pressure, all the pressure I need a peace Oh cause running in circles doesn't get me anywhere So take me to your feet where I can find my rest and you I find my rest that you trying to get a hold of me but i'll still trust you the future's looking foggy in front of me but i'll still trust you trust you creator of the stars is holding my little heart i'll trust you creator of the stars is holding my little heart
0: hannah thank you so much for sharing your god-given talent with us One of the verses says, you tell me to wait because you're making a way. You promised that you would. Your plans for me are good, I'll trust you. That just really rings true to our family personally because we too have a 2020 graduate. Our daughter Haley graduated from Grand Valley State University this past year. And if I'm gonna be very honest and real, it's been a season of a lot of tears, a lot of grief, because the year didn't end with a commencement ceremony. It didn't end with hugs and celebration for us personally because you see Haley's still in Grand Rapids. She's not even back in her home yet. So we are counting down the days until we can celebrate with her. And as a parent um, of a recent graduate, whether high school or college, it's tough to be on the sidelines and see your senior struggle for things that they longed for and couldn't wait for and it just didn't turn out that way but grads Hannah said something very truthful that the creator of the stars is holding my little heart he is he's holding your little heart and trust that that he's got your heart in the palm of his loving and caring hands and he's got a future that you just can't even imagine and your Kensington community is here for you we are continually praying for you Okay, so I have the absolute honor and privilege to introduce Chris Sarbaugh and Andrew Kim today. They are going to kick off week one of a series called Rebuild, and we're diving into the story of Nehemiah. And for those of you that may not know, one of the largest themes in Nehemiah is change. And whenever God wants to do a work through us, it starts with a work in us. I love that because it's so true. We must refine ourselves in the inside before we can do anything that God is asking us to do on the outside. I don't know about you, but I am ready for change. So I am looking so forward to Chris and Andrew. Thank you for delivering the message today.
1: Hi, I'm Emery Colisano, and I just graduated fifth grade. Hi, I'm Emma Bright. My name is Christopher Crawford, and I'm 11 years old. I really like bringing all my friends together so we can play soccer. I see God using me in the future to show other people that God loves you no matter what. Nighting other people of different races and different backgrounds to play sports. I have no idea how God is going to use me to change the world. I'm only 11, but I know that he is going to do it someday. Although I'm not certain what I'm going to do when I grow up, but I do know that whatever I do, I want to show others that God loves you no matter what. How I see God using me in the future is being a Spring Hill counselor, because I just love hanging out with kids, and um, their smiles make me smile. I have always wanted to be a doctor. With all the doctors risking their lives I feel a little part of my heart glowing telling me that I'm going to be just like them when I'm old. I see God using me in the future as a Young Fives teacher. I want to teach Young Fives because it's their first year in elementary school and I want to make them feel welcome. I realized that with my time on the worship team how much I enjoy performing for and entertaining people. My hope is that God can use that in my future with my dream of becoming a professional baseball player to raise awareness and money for underprivileged children. I think that when I get older, I want to go on a mission trip and bring fresh, clean water to people that don't really have a lot of that. I think that it would bring a lot of God's love and laughter and joy to, to all the people that I
3: help, and I can't wait. Hey, I think all of us can agree that we were very sad not to see uh, our graduates, any age and stage, go through you know their ceremonies because of the quarantine. But it was great to hear from those guys. And uh, it reminds me, Andrew, uh, did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up?
4: <laughs> yeah, I actually did. And I had a huge dream Like, because I grew up in Canada. And like most Canadian kids, I wanted to be a hockey player and I wanted to make it to the NHL and play for my all-time favorite team sadly, not the Detroit Red Wings, but even a better team, the Edmonton Oilers. And so that was my dream. That's what I wanted more than anything.
3: Yeah, that's that's great. You know, I don't think I really had high dreams when I was younger. Um, People used to say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my dad had a really good job at General Motors. So I used to say, I just want to work at GM like my dad. He retired from the Lordstown plant. Uh, But all that changed when I became a Christian. I I didn't become a Christian until high school. And then um, God had, uh, you know, impressed on my heart that I wanted to be a pastor. And so I remember telling my family, I'm like, I think God's called me to be a pastor. And their very first reaction was, well, doesn't that involve public speaking? Because the problem was that was my number one fear. And not only that, but I've I had experienced up to that point more than once, uh, incredible embarrassment. In fact, I remember this very specific time in English class uh, it was the worst. I actually was like had a piece of paper in my hand. I was reading a report, and what happened was my voice started quivering for no reason at all. I was so nervous, it started like doing this, and I was talking, and then I got so nervous that my hands started shaking. And then you people literally heard the paper, and so I kid you not, it was like this. It was like this, and, and finally I get got to the point where it was so embarrassing that the English teacher looked at me and said, Hey, Chris, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. Just sit down. And I said, uh, I'm not done. And he's like, it's okay. Nobody's really listening anyway at this <laughs> point. So I remember being so embarrassed and I was so scared of public speaking, but then God changed it all. And, uh, and uh, he just really just took it away. And uh, he didn't take the fear away because uh, you can't see this, but below the screen, I've already wet my pants. I'm just kidding. I, no, I have no fear. <laughs> I have no fear, but uh, God just changed it. Uh, so let me ask you this question. Okay, Can you remember a time in your life when you had a dream uh, but, you know, or a vision or, or, you know, or just an ambition or a goal but you had no idea how it was going to come into reality? Uh, so for maybe, maybe for you it was just like these kids that we saw in the video where you had really high ambitions and dreams but you were scared to death because at that time you had no idea what the future uh, had in store for you. Or maybe for you it was later on in life, and your dreams your dreams were more general; they weren't specific, but they just had you know, you just had a general idea and a general goal for your life. And yet, at the same time, you had no idea where to begin or you know how to start. Or, or maybe for you, and this is kind of more toward today's topic, maybe for you, you have felt in the past that God has called you to be a part of something very specific, and it could have been even later on in life but maybe you felt underqualified or disqualified and you had no idea uh, how to begin. So therefore you hesitated in getting involved, jumping in, or even acting upon it. Well, today we're talking all about change. And oftentimes when dreams come to reality, it starts with a change with a someone, uh, somewhere, in, in somebody who has a dream.
4: Yeah. and. When we look at the scriptures, there are people who had huge dreams. I don't know if they wet their pants, but they had huge dreams as well. And one of those people was a man named Nehemiah. And his story is found in the Old Testament. And in this series that we're kicking off today, we're going to be unpacking his story. And probably what Nehemiah is most well known for was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And so kids, I we have a challenge for you, a really, really important challenge that's going to take the next 30 minutes. And so if you checked out, I want you to check back in for a moment. Because what I want you to do when I say ready, set, go, is that I want you to go to the place in your house where you have your Legos, your building blocks, your um, Lincoln Logs. And I want you to build the most epic city with city walls around it that you've ever built. And if you're not a Lego person, if you're not a Lincoln Logs type of person, if your parents are okay with it, build a fort instead. And just to inspire you, This is a picture of what my kids built. And this is the city of Jerusalem that it took longer than 30 minutes, let me tell you. But this is what they built and they had a lot of fun doing it. And I don't know if you can see it, but it has a zip line. It has a motorcycle ramp because we all know that motorcycles were present back in the 5th century BC, but it has a diner, a temple, all of that. And so they had a ton of fun doing that. So that's something that I want to challenge you to do. And after you're finished doing that, ask your parents to take a picture of it and post it to social media with the hashtag KensingtonKids challenge and after that we're Chris and I are really looking forward to seeing all of the pictures that come in so you guys ready ready yeah. so I'm going to count to three and I'm going to say go ready one two three go That's awesome. awesome good stuff and so the parents we're really Chris and I are really looking forward to seeing all the pictures and everything that your kids are able to create But we're going to be looking at the story of Nehemiah starting today. And when we see the story of Nehemiah, a huge theme in his life was change. And when it comes to change, there's a desire in all of us to see lasting, meaningful, and positive change. And we want to be a part of it. We want to make a difference. And we want to be able to create an experience, a more beautiful world, not just for ourselves, but for our children as well. And that's one of the reasons why for the last several weeks, so many people, not just across our nation, but across our world have been marching and protesting because they want to see change. They want to see justice for George Floyd and for our black community in this nation. And change and justice are so intimately interlinked because what justice is, is that justice is the act of restoring something that has been harmed to fullness. It's making things right. Justice is change. And I want to see change, and I know so many of you desire to see change as well, to a system that has oppressed our black brothers and sisters for more than 400 years. We want to see change. But let me also say this, when it comes to justice, because justice is so important for us as Jesus followers. Because if justice is the act of restoring something that has been harmed to fullness, when you think about it, that's exactly what Jesus came to do for us, and that he came to restore our world that had been harmed by sin and to restore it to fullness to what God created and intended it to be. And that's why justice isn't a peripheral issue. It's not a secondary issue, but it's actually central. It's core to the gospel. And if we're Jesus followers, it's how we should live as well. And what we should desire to see happen in our world. But when it comes to change, you and I both know that change is really, really hard. And that's why people of color have been oppressed in this nation for centuries. It's also why people with heart disease, when their doctor comes to them and says, hey, you need need to make a change. You need to stop drinking. You need to stop smoking. You need to stop overeating. You need to start exercising or you are going to die. It's a life and death situation. You know how many people decide to change, make changes in their life? Only 10%. It's also the reason why so many of us, 92% of us actually, fail at New Year's resolutions every single year. That's why I feel. I'm part of that 92%. Change is so hard. But, and that's why we need God's help. But when we, and when we look at the scriptures, what we also see is that it's full of principles as to how we can experience lasting change in our lives. And we see so many of these principles play out in Nehemiah's story. And what God did in Nehemiah's life is that he changed Nehemiah first. He changed his heart. He changed his life first. And then he sent him out to then go out and change the lives of others. And so I'm really excited for our series. And as we were even reflecting on the story of Nehemiah, we were reminded of the story of Michigan Central Station. And so earlier this week, we went down there and we actually filmed the story of Nehemiah and how these two stories of what happened with Nehemiah and the city of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the walls, how it interconnects with that of this incredible train station and the story behind it. So we're going to watch that video in a moment. But before we get there, we also want to receive our offering for the day. And uh, there are three, if you are able to give, there are three ways that you can do so. And the first is by texting the word Kensington to 77977 and then following the prompts. The second is by you can give on our app, which is a very safe and easy and effective way to give. And if you don't have our app, I want to invite you to download it because it's a great way to remain connected with us during this season. And the third way is you can go to our website, kensingtonchurch.org forward slash give, and you can give there as well. And so we want to say thank you. And I've said this in the past, but this community is one of the most generous and open-handed communities that I've ever been a part of. So thank you so much for your generosity during this time. So let's check out this video together. When Michigan Central Station opened in 1913, it was a magnificent piece of architecture. It was designed by the same architects who created the Grand Central Terminal in New York City. It was the tallest train station in the world and the fourth tallest building in Detroit. For 75 years, the station shipped Detroiters off to war, brought them home, took them on vacation, and sent them off to visit grandma. It was filled with the sounds of hellos and goodbyes panting locomotives, and screeching train wheels. In its heyday, more than 200 trains and 4,000 passengers would pass through every day. However, with the rise of the automobile, train travel declined, and MCS was forced to close its doors in 1988. And for the next 30 years, it was a place that housed vandals, thrill seekers, junkies, and those seeking shelter. The only sounds to be heard were the hissing of spray paint, the slow drips of water through the holes in the roof, and the wind whistling through the broken windows. In 2018, the long vacant station received a new lease on life when Ford announced it would acquire the station and several nearby properties, committing to invest $740 million into the project. Ford announced it would transform the station and the adjacent properties into a transportation innovation district that would include stores, restaurants, a hotel, as well as performing arts spaces. Construction, as you can see, is well underway and is scheduled to be complete in the year 2023. The resurrection of MCS has already helped to revitalize Corktown, Detroit's oldest neighborhood. And this story reminds me of another event that occurred thousands of years ago. In 587 BC, the Babylonians, who were the world's superpower at the time, conquered Jerusalem and they destroyed the city and took many of the Jews into exile 900 miles away to Babylon. And then almost 50 years later, the Babylonians were conquered by the Persians and the Jews were allowed to return to Jerusalem. But when they returned, they saw their city in ruins. Their homes, the temple of God, and the city walls were destroyed. And city walls may not mean much to us today, but back then it meant everything. And the walls were extremely important as they were the primary line of defense, and without them, the city was vulnerable to attacks. And news of this got back to Persia to a man named Nehemiah. He was a cupbearer to King Artaxerxes, and the news left Nehemiah heartbroken. But rather than paralyzing him, it inspired him to move. And Nehemiah mourned, he fasted, and he prayed. And he implored God to move on behalf of his people. And God responded by opening doors for Nehemiah and granting him favor with the king. And King Artaxerxes surprisingly allowed Nehemiah to take leave from his work so he could return to Jerusalem to rebuild its walls. He also provided the Jews with all the materials they needed. And the people of God, they encountered constant opposition, but God protected them. And miraculously, the city walls were rebuilt in just 52 days. But even more significant, under the leadership of Nehemiah and Ezra the priest, there was a spiritual renewal that occurred and the Jewish people rededicated themselves to God. And the story of Nehemiah is a powerful example of how God can use one person to impact a nation. But before any of this occurred, something very important happened. Nehemiah sought God, because I believe he understood something that is fundamental to change. And it's the same thing we all need to realize today. That before God is going to make a change through us, He first wants to make a change in us.
3: So I don't know about you, but I am dying to see that train station, that train depot restored to its original glory. And I'm sure you are too. It's such an icon and it's an amazing thing. Um, What that video does for a lot of us is bring us to the central truth for today's message. And it's this, that whenever God wants to do a work through us, it starts with the work in us. And isn't that true that most of the time, whenever God uses us for really anything good, it usually starts with the work inside of us. Um, it reminds me of Michael Jackson. People thought Michael Jackson was brilliant when he wrote that song, Man in the Mirror, right? And so just to give him, you know, just to read the lyrics, I'm gonna go quote him. So quote, if you wanna make the world a bet to place, then look at yourself, then make that <laughs> change. It's your mom. <laughs> that was terrible exactly like
4: Michael did himself years ago hey
3: you didn't see it but I was, <laughs> was dancing awesome. beneath the screen so um, no that was terrible so listen but the point is that he didn't come up with that concept he stole it from the Bible That at least not, not the dancing but the principle he stole it from the Bible he didn't steal anything but it, it did come from God's word and it started uh, certainly with Nehemiah look at Nehemiah chapter 1 verse number 1 through 4 It says, in late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. So this is Nehemiah talking. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some uh, of the other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who have returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Then Nehemiah says in verse number four, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. And so Nehemiah receives the news that his people this is his his hometown this is where his people have come from and and they've returned and they've basically discovered that their walls have been destroyed which is not only a symbol of their strength but also just the in a practical sense it's it's up for their protection and so when they wake up and they you know live in that uh, you know environment they're reminded every day that they've been overrun and that they've been disgraced and that it's just a symbol of their pride i mean everything about it is just extremely sorrowful. And so what happens is this shakes Nehemiah to his core. He is absolutely broken hearted and he can't shake it. In fact, it says that he prayed and mourned and fasted and cried. And this actually goes on for months and he has a righteous anger within him. And Christians would refer to that sometimes as a holy discontent. And I don't know if you know what a holy discontent is, but it is very similar to what Jesus had when he walked into the temple and he saw the money changers you know, you know and he said you're making my house a den of thieves and he threw over the tables and he had a righteous anger it was anger but it was a righteous anger because it was you know just like Andrew said it's taking something that was wrong and wanting to see it made right and so you know when 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 Nehemiah had this holy discontent uh, it reminds me that nowhere else in the scriptures is it recorded that anybody else had this so we don't know if anybody else did but certainly there's a great work recorded with Nehemiah because Uh, He decides to pray, and and it reminds me that there's at least two categories of great steps of change, and here's the first one. It starts with heartburn, and heartburn meaning that something inside your heart begins to burn, and so Nehemiah had reached the point of no more, and you know what I'm talking about when you say, I've gone this far, and I will go no more or no further. Uh, You know, when he says, No more will the walls of my city be destroyed. No more will my people live in disgrace. So let me ask you have you ever been there in your own life where you say, No more am I going to live in mediocrity. No more will my marriage be like this. I'm going to fix it. You know, no more will I be silent. No more will I, you know, sit back and be passive in my life. No more will I be lukewarm in my walk with my faith. No more will I tolerate this sin or this disgusting habit or dis- destructive behavior in my life, whatever it is, when you get to that point, I could I would think of it like a righteous anger or a, or a holy discontent, and that is the time to change. Because when God brings you to that point, then you are able to say, that's it. I, I don't care if I'm afraid, I don't care if I'm confused about what the future holds, the only thing I know is this, that God has placed in me this heartburn or this holy discontent, and I'm gonna take a first step into you know, taking action to whatever it is that God is calling me to be a part of. And it reminds me of when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this house when I bought it. Uh, this ch- house just needed to change. I'm not kidding, this house is early 60s and it was original shag carpet. Original shag, I'm talking like the raking kind, it was terrible. Uh, So this living room didn't have crown molding, it didn't have this trim, didn't have the wooden floors, didn't have these recessed lights. We did all that, okay? And by we, I'm meaning people from my campus that knew things that came over and helped me graciously. I remember being upstairs in the kid's bathroom. I don't know if you have a kid's bathroom that you call the kid's bathroom, but it had this blue wallpaper that had been there since, I don't know, since 1912 or whatever. And um, and the the seams were peeling. And, uh, and my wife constantly said, like, we really need to redo this bathroom. It was one of the last things that we did. And we'd already been living here for years. And so we walked into the bathroom and she says, Chris, when are you going to take care of this? And I just remember grabbing the whole, you know, bathroom, you know, the, the wallpaper, the big section of it. And I just ripped it off, this massive section. It became like this white piece. And I go, right now. And, I was, and he, she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, now we have to do it. I'm like, I've done this, and now, you know, we have to take care of it. And I was so proud of myself in that moment. But then it sat like that for like two years. <laughs> for, in fact, I didn't even fix it. Listen, Andrew, I actually went to Cuba on a missions trip, and my wife had Ryan Horning from our campus, who did a great job, uh, do it. And so when I came back, the bathrooms, both bathrooms were done because they were both kind of under construction. And uh, my wife said, listen, Chris, I love you. But I had to get it done. So Ryan did a great job. So, you know, she just said, I spent the money and I did it. So, but anyway, but the point is, is that in that one moment, I had resolve. In that one moment, I said, I'm just going to take a step toward it. And those are the kind of moments I believe that sometimes God calls us to when he wants to do a change in us and especially through us.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mr. Zarbaugh, you are a man of action.
3: And I think for every
4: single one of us, we've all lived in a place where we had a blue bathroom. It may not have been blue, but it was some other hideous color. And I've lived in plenty of places where we've had bright yellow bathrooms, bright yellow tile, bright pink tile. And I wanted to do the same thing as well. It had terrible wallpaper. I wanted to rip it down as well, but it wasn't my house, so I couldn't. And so kudos to you, kudos to Liz for getting that done. And she is a person of action. But at the same time, Nehemiah was a person of action as well. And the thing was with Nehemiah is that when he heard about what had happened to his city of Jerusalem, he could have done a lot of different things. But what he chose to do is he chose to pray. And when we read the very first chapter of the book of Nehemiah, we, it feels like he just, it seems like he just prayed once, but he actually prayed for four months. And when we read his prayer, which we're going to do in a moment, What it also reveals is that some of the work, the amazing work that God was doing in his life. Because in addition to giving him a heartburn, what God also did was he produced a heart change in Nehemiah as he prayed. And this is one of the primary purposes of prayer, to connect us to God in a greater way. And so that our heart would come into greater alignment with his. And so that we would begin to care about the things that God deeply cares about. That we would begin to see people the same way that he does. That we would begin to live the way that he has created us to live. Because what if prayer isn't primarily about God changing our lives externally, but it's about God changing our hearts internally. And this is what we see with Nehemiah. And so this is let's read together the first two verses of his prayer. And he says, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ears be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. And in this prayer, this prayer actually starts in verse 5, as we just saw, and it ends in verse 11. And there in this prayer, Nehemiah references God more than 40 times, either by name, attribute, or personal pronoun. And in these two verses, Nehemiah declares who God is. And in doing this, he actually reminds himself of who God is as well. He reminds himself that God is great, that he's awesome, that he's faithful, and that he is the lover of his soul because this is what prayer does. Prayer reminds us of who he is. And Chris, I know you have a great insight into this.
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, when I read your notes and I read that statement that prayer reminds us of who God is, I thought about uh, that's very similar to how Jesus taught us to pray. So, um, you know, many of us, you know, memorize it even as children. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and which means great is your name. And I believe that Jesus, you know, you know put that there for a reason when he taught us to pray because, uh, you know, just like me, I'm sure that you... Uh, When you get down in prayer, sometimes you go straight to your needs, your wants, and your wishes. But Jesus included this, and Nehemiah certainly modeled this for us. Uh, Before you get to your needs, wants, and wishes, take just a moment to sit in the fact that you wanna recognize just who it is you're praying to. Because if you recognize just who it is you're praying to, then maybe by the time you get to your needs, wants, and wishes, they'll become insignificant. Or maybe you'll have more faith or less anxiety. Because, you know, when you declare God's greatness, it reminds, you, it reminds you of just who it is that God, you know, who, who, who it is that you're praying to, but also reminds you of who you are, which means that we are completely and utterly dependent on our Heavenly Father.
4: Yeah, that's so good. Because when we're reminded, exactly like you said, like when we're reminded of who God is, it just puts everything in our life into proper perspective. And it reminds us That if God was able to do all of these things, if he's the one who created not only our planet, but our vast universe, if he is the one who gave us breath and sustains us every moment of every single day, if he is the one who is weaving all of human history together, then surely whatever we are facing in our lives right now, whatever difficulties or challenges or heartbreak we are experiencing, that surely that he is able, this God who is for us and with us, he is able to help us in these situations as well. And right now in our world, we're facing some huge challenges. COVID-19, the racial injustice that we're experiencing, not just right now, but we have been for so many years. But it's a reminder to us when we pray and when we declare who God is and we're reminded of who He is, we're reminded that, you know what? That He is greater than all of these things and it instills an incredible sense of hope in us. And so something that we want to challenge all of us to do is that the next time we pray, is that rather than if you're anything like me, sometimes I typically go to just asking God, hey, these are the things that I want. These are the things that I need. And God wants us to ask ask him for these things because as a good father, he desires to give us good gifts. But what if the next time we pray, rather than starting there, what if we started by declaring who God is and reminding ourselves of who he is? And if you need help with this, a great place to start is in the book of Psalms, which is found in the Old Testament. And one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 145. And just line after line after line, it reminds us of who he is. And so we would definitely challenge you the next time that you go to pray to start there. And just let's remind ourselves of who we are serving and who is with us. And then Nehemiah continues on in his prayer. in the next two verses, and as we read these next two verses, notice the personal pronouns, and this is what he writes. I confess, this is what Nehemiah prays, I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. And what Nehemiah does here is that he takes responsibility because he saw what what had happened in Jerusalem. And it could have been, and he understood that, you know what, this is not the way that things are supposed to be. And he could have easily blamed somebody else. He could have said, you know what, it's your fault. It's it's his fault. It's her fault. But he actually took ownership. Because when we pray, we're reminded not only of who God is, but when we're reminded of who God is, we're reminded of who we are. And when we encounter God, it's like looking in a mirror. And probably for every single one of us, maybe it was earlier this morning, but at least in the past couple of days, we looked in the mirror. And when we do, we usually to see two things. We see the beauty of who we are. We look in that mirror and we think, hey, you know what? You're a pretty good looking person. But at the same time, we also see our shortcomings. And we see, hey, you know what? My teeth are a little bit yellow. I should really whiten those. Or that nose hair that's way up there. I really need to take that out. And we see both of these things. And that's what happens that when we encounter God. We see both of those things, the beauty of who He has created us to be, but as also our shortcomings as well. Because when we see the extravagant love of God, it challenges us to love others in a completely different way. That when we see the generosity of God, it challenges us to stop living a life like this and to begin living a life like this. When we see that justice is at the very heart of God, we're challenged to elevate those who our society has oppressed for so long. And what George Floyd's murder has done, what his death has done, is that it has served as a wake-up call for so many people, not only across our nation, but really across our world, including the Asian American community. Because for so many Asian Americans, including myself, is that when we first saw that video of what happened to George Floyd, and we saw that Asian American police officer standing idly by in silence, we saw ourselves in him. I saw myself in him. Because this has been the response of Asian Americans for so long. Not all Asian Americans, but many of us. And that we have stood in silence and we have not engaged. And oftentimes the reasoning has been, hey, you know what? This is not our fight, right? This is a black and white issue. So we're we're just going to stay out of it. And there are other cultural factors that also play into this as well. Cultural, Cultural values, like a desire for harmony and unity. But... When we have been silent, when we have chosen the status quo, what we have done is that what we've come to realize is that we haven't chosen unity and harmony, but we've actually chosen a false unity, a false harmony. And so in the past couple of weeks, something amazing has happened in the Asian American community that as we have sought God and as we have prayed and been reminded of who he is, God has reminded us of our shortcomings in this area. And there has been such a powerful movement of repentance, In the Asian American community. And also a fierce commitment and a desire moving forward to no longer be silent. To no longer choose the status quo. And it really has been beautiful. And God has ignited something. And this is what happens when we pray. And this is what happens when we go to God. And that he produces this incredible heart change in us.
3: And it's amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. And so... The challenge then that we're left with is if God truly is speaking to you, then is it time to act? You know, Is it time to consider possibly taking a step toward whatever it is that God's asking you to be a part of? So here's how we wanna end our time together. Uh, We're gonna put three questions up on the screen. In fact, we would love for you to reflect on those and just maybe take a minute right now, even during this time, wherever you're at, to say, God, let me consider these questions. And even through the next song that we're gonna work ourselves into, uh, it could be a great time of reflection, of asking God, what is it, God, that you want me to hear? And certainly, what is it that you want me to do? So let me put the questions up on the screen. Here's the first one. Has God placed in you a holy discontent? So has God placed in you a righteous anger of just not wanting to remain the same? This could be an internal thing. It could be something very big or very small. It could be, you know, something that says, you know, that, hey, I'm tired, I've reached the no more point of this one area in my life. Has God placed in you this holy discontent and he's asking you to change and make a change internally? Here's the second question. What change is God wanting you to be a part of? And what I mean by that is, is God calling you to be a part of, of, of change that you actually witness somewhere? Uh, maybe it's again, it's it's something around you. maybe it's what's going on in our society. Maybe it's something smaller in your community. Or maybe perhaps uh, God is asking you to be a part of it of a change that maybe it's only you know personal to you. like it's a relational uh, you know rift that you have to mend just within your own family, whatever it is. But God's asking you and calling you to be a part of that change. And then number three, are you willing to let God change you first? You know, it's one thing to think that we already have it figured out to say, okay, I'm ready to go. I kind of feel like what God wants me to step into. But even when we're confident, even when we feel like we know, you know what we're thinking and how we're gonna take our first step, it's really important to do what Nehemiah has modeled for us, which is to go to God in prayer. Because Nehemiah probably had a desire to go fix the wall, which we're about to you know, hear about for the rest of our series. But yet the very first thing he did is he got on his knees for months, actually, till he arrived at the point to where God changed his heart. He actually owned his part. He actually had some really great conclusions about himself. And I believe that the change that God did in Nehemiah actually made him more effective, uh, you know, to the work that God has called him to do. So are you willing and am I willing to let God change us first to go to him in prayer? And so, as we move into this next song, it's called Surrendering, I would love for all of us to use this as a time of reflection and to ask those questions. God, what is it that you're saying? And how is it that you want me to respond? Would you pray with me as we close? Well, Heavenly Father, we are so incredibly thankful for this time. Lord, thank you for Nehemiah. Thank you for the truths in your scripture. And I pray, Father, that whatever it is that you're birthing in us or that you're drawing our attention toward whatever change that you want us to make or be a part of God, I pray that we would not only clearly hear from you, but that you would give us the courage to want to take our first step. And so Father, I pray that you would uh, not only do a great work in us, but also through us. And Father, when these these things take place, we will be careful to make sure that you get all the credit, that you get all the honor, and that you, you get all the glory. We love you, we thank you, And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
5: I was lost, but he brought me in. His love for me. Yes, his love.
4: because it reminds us in such a powerful and beautiful way of who we are. And that's exactly what we looked at in Nehemiah's prayer today. And that when Nehemiah connected with God in this way, he was not only reminded of who God is, but in light of that, he was reminded of who he was as well. And that's so important. And so we want to invite you back this coming Wednesday for midweek at 7 o'clock and join us because we're going to be continuing on in our series in 1 Peter and then come back also next weekend because we're going to be in the second week of our series Rebuild as well. And also don't forget, next week is a very, very important weekend. It's Father's Day. And so don't forget to honor your fathers, get him huge gifts. My kids, I know you guys are watching and so don't forget and don't forget to get me an amazing, amazing gift as well. And so hope to see you all this coming Wednesday, and I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Bye-bye, everyone.